Hashtag SAFM Talking Point. We continue our conversation this morning. We're looking at that latest report by the uh, Human Sciences Research Council. Let me welcome onto the show Professor Namia Bola-Muller, who is the Divisional Head at the Developmental Capable and Ethical State um, uh, Department of the HSRC. Uh, Professor Bola-Muller, good morning to you and thanks for your time today. Thank you, Kathy. Good morning. Let's talk about this latest um, study or survey that has been done by the HSRC. What were you really looking at? What are the kinds of questions that you were asking? Um, Kathy, we've done this in collaboration with the University of Johannesburg, and we've been working on it since the beginning of the lockdown in, in 2020. So what we test in terms of the survey is people's perceptions. So their perceptions about the lockdown, their perceptions about how government is dealing with the uh, epidemic as well as uh, the various lockdown measures, the social security measures that have been introduced. So it's a very broad-ranging survey. Uh, We've had four rounds, and in the last two rounds between January and July, we asked specific questions about the vaccine because it's become such a pressing matter. Mm. So that's the the latest information that we have. Let's take a look at one of the important questions that you asked, and it's really uh, the question that South Africans are grappling with now. If a COVID-19 vaccine became available to you, would you take it? What were the answers? The answers were interesting and very positive, actually, perhaps surprising to some, but other surveys have also confirmed this, in that vaccine acceptance has increased. So in January of this year, vaccine acceptance was at 67%, according to our survey, and this has grown to 72%. So most people in South Africa, the majority, are really keen to get vaccinated. And out of the 72%, 10% have, have said that they've already been vaccinated. So the whole issue of hesitance as well as conspiracy theories, myths and so on, um, don't seem to be as serious in South Africa as we are made to believe, I think, mostly through social media. As I say, the good news is people do want the vaccine the issue may very well be if they have access to mm-hmm. the vaccine. Mm-hmm. I find it interesting that in terms of the patterns of acceptance that you were looking at, men were more inclined to be willing to accept a vaccine than women, uh, although the difference is, is marginal, but the point is that there is a difference. And yet mm-hmm. when we look at the actual vaccination numbers, it is women that have been showing up for the vaccines and not men. It's a very interesting outcome um, of the the survey and it's been established elsewhere as we've seen government encouraging men to to be vaccinated. And there could be many reasons for this. Um, One of the reasons that being positive is, is that men have a different attitude towards um, their health care and women are far more um, willing to to engage with the public health service uh, public health um, and and perhaps have more time uh, as we know in South Africa 
um, the employment sector is still mostly dominated by men. Um, so it, it may also be a factor of when the vaccine is available. So is it only during working hours during the week? Uh, we men have more difficulty in, in accessing the, the vaccine site. So it, it is a very serious issue, and I think we need to delve a little bit deeper to find out um, why this is so. But generally speaking, other research throughout the world has indicated that men are slightly uh, less active when it comes to seeking health care solutions. Mm. What else were you able to uncover in terms of uh, particularly these demographic factors that, um, w- that, that fed into the decision that one makes to either get vac- vaccinated or to not get vaccinated? Well, really, the, the three main uh, factors were age, race and, and what we could call class. So the youth are hesitant, and actually their hesitancy has increased since January of this year. With all other age groups, the um, acceptance has increased. So um, one wonders, and and for example, students, only 58% of students um, are, are willing to be vaccinated. The question is, again, why is this so? Um, and we did have an open-ended question where we asked people, you know, why why would you make the decision as to whether to be vaccinated or not? And the youth were mainly concerned about side effects as well as the effectiveness of the vaccine, which is for most groups. But there was also quite a big issue about trust. So trust in the vaccine, trust in the private sector and these big multinational companies, and even trust in governments. So uh, the youth seem to be less trusting and obviously also uh, perhaps uh, less worried about the the pandemic because um, of the fact that they're less likely to die. Um, However, the new variant Delta is showing us that there is a far bigger risk now uh, for youth and hopefully we will be able to send messages out there to convince young people between the ages of 18 and 24 to be vaccinated, not only for themselves, but also for others. Mm. We also found, and this was throughout the survey, um, that black South Africans are far more willing to be vaccinated than white South Africans. Um, And this basically also based on whether there is a belief that the vaccine is effective, what kind of side effects people are suffering from, but also obviously trust because white people are in the minority and across the world it seems that minorities are far more skeptical about the vaccine than the majority uh, members of a particular population. Um, And then lastly, we know that that poorer people living in, um, let's say, urban settlements or in rural areas are more willing to be vaccinated but less likely to have been vaccinated. So if you have a medical aid and you have a car in your family, even though your group is is more hesitant, you're more likely proportionately to be have, be vaccinated mm-hmm. than any other population group. So there's this, this strange mm-hmm. issue here which brings in concern around whether Poorer people have access to the vaccine and are able to get to the vaccine site.
and and that's a that's a really concerning issue. This question of of access, and you know, one of the the, the provinces that has been watched quite closely is uh, the Limpopo province, that seems to be pushing uh, well ahead in terms of the number of vaccinations that it has been conducting. But they've been quite deliberate about taking their campaigns. Um, to the outlying areas, including rural areas, and and ensuring that people, they're bringing that opportunity of getting vaccinated to people's doorsteps. Absolutely. I think that really is an example to look at and and to celebrate, of course. But it is a concerted effort in the Limpopo province by government there and by the communities to work together. So it's a whole of society mm. kind of approach. And um, so the vaccine is being taken to the people. All people are being taken to the vaccine. So we're not just assuming that you can climb into your car and get to the, um, the vaccine site easily. And I think that this is very innovative and we need to start doing this elsewhere because it is very clear if people want to be vaccinated, but are not getting to the site, we have a problem. And so we need to find solutions to this problem. We need more awareness. Um, we need better communication. But, of course, we need to deliver. So the, the whole discourse about sort of supply and demand mm. is not really the correct one. I think we need to be speaking about delivery to the people and therefore getting more people vaccinated. Professor Namia Bola-Miller will continue this conversation as she is with the Human Sciences Research Council. I'll also take a couple of your calls. I see some of you lined up already on 011-714-2006. The Talking Point with Kathy Motlatana. Weekdays, 9 a.m. till midday. You're live on The Talking Point. We're continuing our conversation, taking a look at vaccine hesitancy and acceptance. Professor Namia Bolamulla of the HSRC is on the line. I'm going to take your calls in a moment. Professor uh, Bolamulla, just, just the last thing I wanted you to clarify on. One would have assumed that for the families whose relatives had either contracted COVID-19 or even lost their lives from COVID-19, that they would be quite eager uh, to get the vaccine. What has the research found? Yes, that's definitely the case. I think the closer to home this is, the more people realize how serious it is. Mm. I mean, it's it's not only death that we need to be concerned about, even though that is obviously the most important issue. It's the long COVID um, that we're coming across now where people are not recovering very well from this. Um, even if they survive. Mm. So it it has been very clear from the survey that people who have been touched by this disease um, have definitely become more aware and therefore more willing to be vaccinated. Let me go to the phone lines. Madwaha, you're calling us from East London. Good morning. Kathy. Yes. (laughs) Uh, I have been vaccinating since childhood. I am not opposed to vaccination. Mm. That's point one. The second point is that I've got serious mistrust to the current vaccines of J&J and all of that. I would really run to the clinic and vaccinate if they were offering the Chinese or Russian vaccine. So I'm not opposed to vaccination per se. Mm. 
The second point is to do with how... So, 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 so Madwaka, uh, apologies for that. J- just quickly, you, you know, uh, from what I've been told, the people who are getting vaccinated, you don't get to choose, hey? It's not Most like they say, it's not like they give you the option of Pfizer or J&J. And I doubt that that would be the case even if we had more vaccines. No, they should. They should. They should be making uh, uh, people open to, to choosing. But I'm mm-hmm. not sure what the process follows. All I'm saying is that I'm not opposed to vaccine, vaccination. I want to comment briefly about how it affects the workplace. You know, there, there, there are those who are interpreting the law to mean that uh, employers can, can dismiss you if, 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 if you are not vaccinated. And the employers could even say it would pose a, present a challenge to the operational requirements. Mm. And the reality is that from my assessment, uh, if even if you are vaccinated or not vaccinated, you are bound to present challenges to the workplace. Because if you have contracted COVID, you're not supposed to report to the workplace. So the question of whether one is vaccinated or not doesn't arise because vaccination, the main intention which is said to us is that it prevents severe illness mm. and hence prevents death. But it doesn't mean that if you are vaccinated and have got COVID, you cannot then spread the COVID. For me, it doesn't strike logic, but it does appear that those who are interpreting the law, they are really unwilling to dare to think differently. There seems to be a lack of... Oh, Madwaka, apologies. Perhaps lose- the professor may may engage that, may not be armed enough to engage in that legal space, but that those are the facts that I wanted to present. Okay. Yeah, yeah, thanks for that call. Unfortunately, we lost a bit of what Madwaha was saying due to uh, the quality of connection there. Kolani, you're calling us from Eastern Cape. Good morning. Hi, Kate. Yes. Um, may I please just ask for, from your, your guest, the professor, mm-hmm. just a little bit of clarity. It's not out of ignorance, but it's just clarity. Shouldn't be the people that are more worried be those that are not vaccinated than those who are vaccinated? Because if you are vaccinated, it means that you've got lesser chances of getting the virus. But it seems now there's too much focus and by those who are vaccinated and even the institutions, sort of the, the, the drivers, if now those who are, who are vaccinated will be affected by the ones who who are not who have not yet been uh, vaccinated and yet those who are not vaccinated should be more concerned because if they can be closer to a person who is vaccinated that person is safe compared to the one who's not uh, who's not vaccinated mm-hmm. so you're saying that the the focus is on the wrong people i, I wouldn't like to use the word wrong mm. maybe a clarity from the professionals in the field for for someone like myself who's like a layman on the street all right, Polani. We'll, we'll certainly give the prof an opportunity to respond to that. Pauline Benoni, good morning. Morning, Cathy, and to, <laughs> to the professor. Uh, 78,000 people uh, have, have succumbed to COVID. And it's just a figure. You know, many families, 78,000 families, mm. suffer that loss on their own. They don't know the other 78,000 families, uh, families. I'd like to put a, a visual... Uh, image into people's minds of what 78,000 people look like. Now, if we could gather 78,000 people together and ask them to hold hands and stretch themselves out in a long, straight line, 
That line would now be 150 kilometers long. If you want to jump in your car and run along that line, if you go at 60 kilometers an hour, you'd be driving for two and a half hours before you pass the last person. Mm. If you're a speedster, you want to go at 100 k's, <coughs> and people, images of people are flashing past in your periphery vision, you'd still be driving for a very long one and a half hours before you pass that last person. And most of those people, in fact, 99%, have not been vaccinated. And uh, we, we must get out of this habit of just adding 500 people per day mm. onto this figure. All right. So, these are people. Yeah, so that's my point. All right, thanks. Thanks for that, Paul. A very important point that uh, that Paul is making, and indeed, it's families, and we know that the actual figure is much higher than that when we take into account this factor of the excess deaths. Uh, so what we can do is that maybe um, let me let, let me give a Professor Moller just a, a, a quick opportunity to respond, Prof. If we can do it as briefly as possible for me. Yes, absolutely. Um, so thank you very much to your listeners again for their very insightful comments. Um, for the first, Madwaka, for, for your uh, question, yes, some people do have a preference for the type of vaccine that they would like to take. But in South Africa at the moment, as generally in the global south, we don't really have a choice. Um, so it would be interesting to know why, for example, um, you would be less trustful of Pfizer uh, than you would be of a Chinese or a Russian vaccine, but that is another conversation. With regards to employers, of course, they cannot force their workforce to become vaccinated, but of course, if you are unvaccinated, you are far more at risk of becoming ill. And so that is something that one needs to take into account. Kolani, yes, we need to focus on everybody, those who are afraid and those who are not. And we need to allay fears of people who are not sure about the vaccine. And um, the message must be going out in very many ways to young people, to white people, to older people, as well as the rest of the population, that there is science to the effect that the vaccines are very effective and that um, the most people who are dying at the moment are unvaccinated. And then Paul has also made a very powerful point that these deaths affect so many more people than those who have actually died. Sure. And we have the problem of excess deaths as well. Mm. All right, Prof, let me thank you so much for your time. Professor Namia Bolamula is with the Human Sciences Research Council. A bit late for news. Apologies, Nomsam Kluli. Uh, she's up next with the news on the other side of this. Of course, we take you to that special coverage of SABC Women's Day celebrations.